Please sit down. You feel you've been rehabilitated? Rehabilitated? Well, now, let me see. You know, I don't have any idea what that means. Well, it means you're ready to rejoin society. I know what you think it means, Sonny. To me, it's just a made-up word. A politician's word, so that young fellas like yourself can wear a suit and a tie and have a job. What do you really want to know? Am I sorry for what I did? Well, I am. There's not a day goes by I don't feel regret. Not because I'm in here, because you think I should. I look back on the way I was then. I gotta live with that. Rehabilitated. It's just a bullshit word. So you go on and stamp your form, Sonny, and stop wasting my time. What the hell is that? Stone on air coming up. Completely unsanctioned by the church. Stone on air. Whatever, let's just do this. Stone on air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Give human beings opportunity, and you'll be absolutely shocked with what people do with it. Stone on air coming up. Stone on air. All right, well, welcome in, everybody. It has been 43 days since I have last spoken into this microphone, and you have last been able to download it for later listening consumption at your leisure. Thank you very much for doing so then, and thank you so much for doing so now. My name is Brian Stone. There might be a new listener or two out there. Never can be too sure. This is the Stone On Air podcast for Paladrome Day. It's 3, 23, 23. And I thought about doing some new uh, rejoins and new opens for a brand new me, a new show, new me. And uh, you can't cure laziness. You can't cure procrastination. Addiction at times, you well, you can't cure it. You can just kind of contain it. You can never completely get rid of your laziness. And that's what happened to me um, over the course of the last... Well, let, let me just be give myself some credit. I haven't had that much time to do much of anything as I am uh, back in the saddle here on a Thursday, every Thursday download destination for thousands in the city of Chattanooga and surrounding areas. My name is Brian Stone. You can find me on all social media at Stone on Air and follow along there if you would like to. Um, I would very much uh, appreciate that. So, uh, the quick just reset for anybody who doesn't know, you likely do. I just spent a, a month in uh, three weeks in out, inpatient and a week of outpatient for my uh, addiction to alcohol that I have been uh, aware of for very, very, very long time, many, many years, decade plus or so. But that has really become a big struggle for me um, into my later years here health-wise and I, I'm I'm kind of all over the place to get things started here. I've got several things I want to do. My energy level is not very high. And being just three full days removed as I record this from uh, treatment, I am finding it each day getting a little bit more of a struggle. By the time you are listening to this at the very earliest, it will be my 33rd day consecutive without a drink. And... It was uh, it was a wild ride, and I'm going to spend portions of the next two months telling you about it. Yes, two full 
months as I got into what was a completely new world to me. I learned a lot of things in a very short period of time. And it is going to be very difficult to explain uh, a lot of it and some of it not that difficult at all. But what I found myself doing was writing really basically dear diaring, right? They call it journaling now. That's the new uh, buzzword, journaling. And really it's just dear diary. And I wrote upwards of about seven or eight dear diaries, basically just, just explaining the day in real time, pen to paper. Uh, for those that are not aware, no cell phone usage, no internet, just a little bit of television, very disconnected from the real world, and uh, a lot to uh, to uh, absorb over the course of three full weeks of this uh, inpatient. I'm not going to tell you where it was. If you would like to know, just hit me up, and I'll let you know all you want to know about it. Um, confidentiality and the anonymous nature of, of post-recovery is uh, something to be taken very seriously. I had heard that before in the past, didn't really think too much about it, kind of rolled my eyes at it like I do many other things, but I learned through the course uh, of a month that that is uh, something I should very well respect. So when I started doing the journaling or Dear Diary, and I started to do a lot of character profiles of some of the people I was around and a uh, very eclectic mix of people, all different ages for all different uh, reasons and all different addictions. And then I realized quickly that that wasn't cool. That wasn't the direction that I should go. And um, for many reasons, realized it also wasn't going to be a very uh, interesting thing because I'm not. I'm just telling you about random people you've never heard of. So I shouldn't have been doing that anyway. So I scratched all that. I kept it for notes to self throughout the course of the uh, the month that I was there. But what I did do was put together 10 chapters of what I'm calling stories maybe I shouldn't tell. And the reason I name it that is just because, you know, I don't know, I'm dancing on the line of what I should or shouldn't say out loud. But I'm not talking about anybody naming any names or naming any treatment centers or any exact locations except for maybe one. I am going to call one out. Um, outside of that, it will just be my experience in this uh, treatment process that is still nowhere near done. I mean, as I mentioned a minute ago, three days in, and I am struggling. I want a drink. I want it now. Uh, and I have for three days. And I didn't think so about halfway through the treatment. There's this thing called a phenomenon they call whoever they is or they are is as the pink cloud, riding the pink cloud. And what that is is like this natural kind of high dopamine uh, surge that one would get when you're quickly removed from the addiction uh, that you're trying to fight. Re alcohol, opiates, fentanyl, whatever it might be, crystal meth. I think they all fall into this category. And it creates this natural high of, hell yeah, man, I'm good. I'm ready to go. Get me out of here. And I did that very thing. Um, about two weeks in, I wanted out. I was done. I was like, man, I am dry for two weeks. I feel good. The detox went well. And here I am uh, two and a half weeks, almost three weeks since then, and am really struggling and not having that dopamine natural high and trying to navigate real life without the urge to drink. 
and I have not started any post-recovery um, meetings or any other kind of post uh, uh, treatment that they have suggested. I mean, I can't do this for forever. At one point, willpower is going to have to come into place. But so I'll 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 slow it down here for a minute and spell out the show for you today. I'm going to give you uh, opening, just bouncing around to get you three things of audio here at the tail end of this segment, probably about seven minutes or so from right now. The greatest idea in the world. And it's coming from Marco Rubio. Get you that one, the worst idea. And another one from the lady who plays contemporary or at least well-known music, generally speaking, on her harp, as I've done the last couple of shows. The second segment of the show is going to be called The Sunday News. This segment this week, I only really had an information source once a week for a month, and that was the Chattanooga Times Free Press on Sunday. And being that there were quite a few younger people than me and even older people who don't seem to care about the newspaper anymore, I was about the only one who was uh, devouring that source of information once a week for a month. And I pulled some articles from those days, and I'm going to comment on those in the second segment of the show. And in the final segment of the show will be chapter one of stories maybe I shouldn't tell called Travel Therapy is what I'm calling it. And it's the day, the first day I was able to travel outside of the facility for what would be, for lack of a quick way to explain it, a field trip, an off-site meeting, in this case, an AA meeting, one that I um, might have started, uh, gotten off to a bad start for me to be excited about going to AA and or NA meetings. First of all, I have trouble saying the word anonymous unless I spell it out phonetically, and I have it here written down for anonymously and, uh, hold on, anonymity, anonymity, anonymously, and anonymous, <laughs> anonymous. I have trouble saying that word. After all these years of speaking the English language, the three variations of the word anonymous, I can't say it just in quick flowing conversation. And so many times there was readings, people were asking, who wants to read, who wants to read? And I'm like, first of all, I don't even hardly believe in this recovery program, meaning the AA and NA uh, meetings and the 12 step programs, which I'll all be, I'll be talking about at different times. A lot of this will become a little repetitive at times because I'll forget where I was or where I'm headed next. And it is a little scattered here on the front end, but uh, just have some patience with me if you will first. But first of all, here's how you, here's how you can get free drinks from all your friends. Here's how you do it. You want to know? I'll tell you right now. Here's how you get all your friends to buy you free drinks. Tell them that you're going to rehab <laughs> and you're going to quit drinking and then invite them out for drinks before you go. I swear some of my best friends hung out with them for the two weeks leading up to when I went in to the uh, to the treatment facility and every single one of them picked up the tab. So thank you so much. That's that's a life hack right there. I'd suggest actually going through with the rehab treatment rather than being an asshole and just saying you're going to. But it worked for me. And real quick, I cleared up right off the top here. I posted on social media, Facebook specifically, on February 20th, uh, that night, that 
on the next podcast, you'll hear from the guy who got kicked out of rehab on his first day. Well, of course, I'm res- I'm res- referring to myself, and that's not entirely accurate, but it's close. So I have never heard of anybody going to a rehab facility for whatever their DOC, as they say, behind the walls, drug of choice is. I have never heard of anybody going to do this who didn't show up blasted. And I have talked to at least a half dozen people in my life that have gone into treatment facilities and every one of them, all I'm making up the number half dozen, but we'll say five, six, however many it is, they all did the same thing. They went to treatment bombed. Why wouldn't you? I mean, it sounds counterproductive in a way, but it also it sounds perfectly normal. I'm trying to get off this. I might as well go out with one big blaze, right? So that Monday, I'm um, waiting to be picked up by my mom. I got all my stuff packed. It's all ready to go. I was up late the night before drinking. And then I get up in the morning and I start playing music and it's a nice day. And I said, you know what? I got orange juice and I got gin. Let's drink gin and juice and just have fun for a little while. And uh, listen to music and just, you know, put this off for an hour or two. Well, when I show up to the um, facility to check everything in, which I did, checked all the stuff in. Then they go to give me a breathalyzer and it was triple digits. I didn't, I don't remember what it was, but it was way high. A lot of it was because it was fresh in my system and not so much that I was just that lit up drunk. But they would not admit me. And they uh, sent me home. And I was furious. Absolutely furious. I didn't take it out on anybody really too much, but I was inside ready to explode. And then I went home and drank myself into a dumb stupor and woke up at like 8 o'clock at night after I'd passed out during the day thinking it was 8 in the morning and like, call, like holy shit, I'm late for this. Or I, I was terribly disoriented. And I'm trying to find all my paperwork and all my luggage and all my stuff. And, uh, you know, where where's my toothbrush? Where's my box fan? Where's all my stuff? What's going on? I couldn't remember the morning. I couldn't. I got so drunk that night and day. And I was just spun out. And so then I just drank it away. Woke up the next day. My mom picked me up again. Had to have her drag her out of work again to do this. I was tearing up the whole time I was so humiliated is not the right word I was so mad at myself that I had looking this poorly trying to enter the facility and then they did enter me in and I blew again a high number because I'd been up so late the night before drinking and I just said guys we're not doing this anymore if you're not accepting me now give me my stuff I'm leaving I have not been drinking today it's just still in me from last night I promise Let's do this or get my stuff and I'm out of here. Well, at that point, I think those insurance uh, checks were dollar signs were in their eyes and thought, well, let's just go ahead and admit them. Either way, we want to make sure and get this insurance money. And I think that's a lot of why decisions are made inside of all healthcare in America, but certainly in mental and addiction, mental health and addiction health wellness as well. So, We'll leave that right there. I was not technically kicked out, but they would not let me in on the first day, and it started for a very rocky start to what ended up being a very successful treatment, but the recovery is just now beginning, and it might go for a long time, potentially for the rest 
of my life. I'll keep you up to date on that as the rest of my life continues. Let's uh, get to these three pieces of audio before I get to the Sunday news in the second segment. This is the greatest idea in the world, and it comes from an unusual place for me to say greatest ideas. Marco Rubio. I don't know why we keep changing times back and forth. We should just pick one and stick with it. The one that we have eight months out of the year is daylight savings time. I happen to like it because, you know, one of the big problems we have in a lot of parts of this country is kids can't do anything after school because if you don't have a park with lights, then, you know, you're, you're out of business by 4, 4.30, 5 o'clock. It's a huge problem. It's a huge issue in many parts of the country. Other people disagree. They like it the other way around. My whole point is let's stop switching back and forth. Let's stick with one. And if we're going to stick with one, let's stick with the one we already use eight out of 12 months. And that's daylight savings time. Now, can we pass it? This is Washington. Someone always has a reason to be against something. Yeah. You know, so, but it's not partisan. It's more, uh, I don't even know what you call it. But, you know, the answer is we'll see. I mean, it doesn't look right now like... Uh, we have the votes to pass it, but we'll keep trying. Oh, Marco Rubio, I could kiss you on your lips. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. And, of course, it doesn't have the votes for whatever reason, but it may eventually get passed. I don't care which one it is. I say it every year. Just pick one and stick with it. Like Marco Rubio says, I agree. Where we're at with daylight savings time would be my preference. Don't care, though. You want to go stick with standard? I'm fine with that. Stick with standard. That is the greatest idea in the world. Let's finally do it. The worst idea is something I used to do all the time. This is from a TikTok account. Um, it's just basically middle-aged uh, reactions to things. This is called People Recapping What They Drink, Today's Worst Idea. I didn't go home after golf, so I probably drank 20 beers yesterday. Right when I got there, Justin gave me a whiskey shot. Two espresso martinis at that rooftop. Had a vodka soda there. Had two beers here before we even went to the pregame. Couple beers there. I don't know. Somebody handed me a Vegas bomb, so I took it. That whole 30-pack is gone. We did some damage last night. What's-her-face kept buying Rumpelman shots. God! I had to get out of there. <laughs> Pretty sure there was a dirty martini mixed in there somewhere. I think I may have had a water at dinner. Old fashioned. What chug off? We went there? Well, then I had at least a few vodka sodas at Johnny's. We'll add it to the list. Skinny margaritas. No, three tequila shots at El Torito. We stayed up and drank the rest of the Pinot. I forgot about the bottomless mimosas at brunch. God! Probably why I feel so bad. All that sugar. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. It's all that sugar. All of that sounds way, way too familiar. And the final one here as I wrap up the open segment of the Stone on Air podcast is the lady from TikTok. Again, sorry, I don't have her name. The harp lady, I'm just calling her, playing a very familiar Leonard Skinner song. And I'll tell you why I went with this next after what I'm calling today's coolest thing. tired of that song when I was 19 years old. In 1998, 1999, I didn't want to hear that song anymore, and I do love Leonard Skinner overall when you dig deep to the good stuff, but as I was gone over that month, Leonard Skinner is officially, as, like literally, the band is now dead. Gary Rosenton passed away in uh, early March, or was it late February? Sometime over that course of that month, 
and there's officially no more Leonard Skinner, even though I'm sure this caricature, this fake uh, tribute to themselves band will continue to play the same crappy songs to the same crappy people for uh, more years to come. We'll see. But that is today's coolest thing. Speaking of not being connected, speaking of not knowing news, not under knowing what the forecast is going to be completely in a bubble, well, at least one day a week, I got the newspaper, and that was on Sunday. And the Sunday news is coming up next. reading about how Governor Bill Lee is making drag illegal in Tennessee, I was like, okay, what's actually happening in Tennessee that matters right now? And I found out that Tennessee ranks 46th in the country for education. Tennessee also ranks 46th in the country for mental health. Tennessee has one of the lowest voter turnout rates. Tennessee has one of the highest incarceration rates. Tennessee has one of the highest maternal mortality rates. Tennessee has about 25% of kids, about a quarter of the kids living in Tennessee are living in poverty. So, I don't know. If I was governor, I don't think I would give a fuck about if somebody was like dressing up and lip syncing over a brunch to experience a little bit of joy, God forbid, some joy in Tennessee. Um, but I'm not a Republican, so. One of the stories that went down when I was inside, inside the joint, this is Goose. I went in, only have an understanding that Goose was a band I would like. I came out a super fan. They will be at Riverbend in June. I cannot wait. Another band or performer that I went inside only being familiar with that I'm now a big fan of, I'll speak of a little bit later on in the final segment of the show. Uh, the Sunday news I'll get to here in just a minute. First, I want to do this. I forgot. This was the first thing I wrote that I can figure out, I believe, was February 27th. And I've reworded it and edited it a little bit because I, I didn't have anything but pen and paper and my handwriting's crap and my grammar and uh, punctuation is awful. And I meant to try to get to this on the open, but ran out of time and forgot I even had it before I rundown news stories over the course of the last month with just a little bit of commentary. This was um, written at 9.30 in the morning, roughly, on February 27th, right after my detox was completed. This place is kind of like a resort, except without any raucous entertainment, alcohol, or much semblance of freedom. Other than that, it's kind of similar, except really it's not. Sure has got an all-inclusive nature to it, free laundry, daily in-room cleaning, three decent meals a day, all the ice, water, and fruit juice one could drink. There are snacks available most all through the day, plenty of downtime to use the internet, play on your phone, take phone, take pictures, and here's where I put in uh, parentheses, get record scratching noise. And then, but I didn't have time to do that. Er, what I meant to say was plenty of time to read the Bible, the AA book, known as the big book, as they call it, and the only day that was available, the Sunday paper. Playing cards, board games, all the ping pong you could handle, and a gorgeous 75-inch TV in the main meeting community room. 
This smart TV is loaded with seemingly all the main streaming services, all with hopes that 15 to 25 people at any given time wanted to watch the same thing. Parenthetically, I wrote, turns out WWE spring training ball, Big Bang Theory, Antiques Roadshow, etc. were not popular choices. And then I added this from another little blurb that I had written uh, just about the staff at my treatment center. The staff is incredible, constantly helpful, and have more patience than you could ever imagine. There are new arrivals virtually every day, and every one of them are on a minimum of five days detox, which means constant wellness checks, vitals, blood pressure, temperature, and meds four times a day. One of those being in the middle of the night. They have to wake you up to give you meds and take your uh, blood blood pressure and temperature for your vitals at like 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh, Often new arrivals are sleeping most of the day away, disoriented, and if not sleeping, can be hard to find quickly. It's vitally important to get these patients their care in a timely manner, all while answering questions from assholes like me about where can I get clean towels. So quickly, uh, out loud, parenthetically, I'll add the differences is are they're the nurses who administrate or administer the the drugs, the treatment. There's a therapist who you sit one on one with, and then also head up process groups as they're called. And then there's the technicians who are all generally, I think all, if not all, most former addicts of, and they are the ones that kind of direct traffic. All day long, and they are in charge of getting all the patients to group meetings on time, to their doctor's visits on time, their vital. I mean, it, it is a thankless job in a lot of ways, and it is really, really impressive. So that was just one of the first things that I had wrote about uh, in real time of that, well, I guess, few days of consciousness after the detox. That first week I was there, pff, blur. I don't really remember it at all. I was asleep a lot, and um, it is it is wild how it just really is just there's very little recollection of that first week. But here, as I'll quickly take a look at the Sunday news, is because on Sunday rolls around, there's not a lot to do. The weekends, they give you a lot of time off. There's outings you can go to watch. Uh, sometimes it'll be a movie. Sometimes it'll be uh, a, a walk in the park. Sometimes it'll be uh, bowling. You know, those kinds of things. And then there's adventure therapy, which is uh, like obstacle courses out by Southern University, which I was, but hadn't been on the campus of Southern University in a long time. It's quite gorgeous out there. And I went once rock climbing and I was uh, not interested in that. So I just hung back and watched. But um, those are things that they do on the weekend. You can admit or you can select to stay back. And then you might just have some kind of. meeting amongst the people. I, I I can't remember exactly, but Sundays was always a big day for me because I got the Sunday paper and there's a lot of information in there. And the first thing I see from Sunday, when I it was admitted on the 21st was the two days before Jimmy Carter entered hospice care. So I figured he would, uh, we would lose Jimmy Carter while I was, while I was in, in impatient. Well, as of recording time, he's still alive at his hospice care at his home. The uh, Sunday, February 26th, could the drag bill affect the theater? Barry Corder's piece from the Times Free Press talking about the Tivoli and the Memorial. It says, a message posted on a Facebook page for Drag Queen Story Hour, Tennessee, a nonprofit children's reading program, urges people to copy and paste and send the following message to the state legislator. 
The bill is so broad that it could end up restricting and criminalizing a variety of performances. Drag performances are not dangerous and do not deserve the kind of scrutiny exhibited in this bill. I do not want the government determining what kind of clothing and costumes people wear based on gender. That is especially dangerous to trans transgender and non-binary people. Of course, the point of this was that Tennessee had become the first state to restrict drag performances. Of course, our governor sign every Bill Lee, which a Tennessee House passed last week. At this point, this was early March, defines an adult cabernet performance as a performance that features topless dancers, go-go dancers, exotic dancers, strippers, male or female impersonators who provide entertainment that appeals to a pruient interest or similar entertainers. Republicans hold supermajorities in both the House and Senate here in Tennessee. The law will go into effect July 1st. I don't think anybody listening to this needs to dig very deep into their imagination as to what I feel about the nonsensical nature of this. Back to the uh, point of the piece from that day on the 26th from the Times Free Press was, will this affect shows that are coming to the Tivoli and Memorial? Nick Wilkinson is the executive director of the Tivoli Foundation and said he has not heard from promoters for potential events that might be booked into the Tivoli Memorial about whether they might avoid Chattanooga or the state. Wilkinson said he has no indication that the shows we are planning to do are in jeopardy. We trust our audience to make informed decisions, and we always go above and beyond to give fair warning if a show has adult content. Also from the TFP on the 26th, U.S. First Lady says Joe Biden will seek re-election, and then Cocaine Bear, some kind of made-up, uh, dramatized, somewhat comedy-ish about some bear in Sevierville or something in the 80s that ate a bunch of cocaine and they made a ridiculously stupid movie about it. But that was the headline in the entertainment section on Sunday, the 26th. On March 5th, from the Sunday News, find out that Tom Sizemore had passed away, is 61 years old, hospitalized after suffering a brain aneurysm in mid-February. Sizemore passed away peacefully in his sleep at uh, St. Joseph Medical Center in Burbank, California. Sizemore's family said doctors informed them there was no further hope and recommended end-of-life decisions due to the condition of his health. That's one of those guys, when you hear that he dies, you're like, well, of course he is. Of course he did. And I'm actually a little surprised that he's still alive. He's the kind of guy, I love a lot of the roles he's played. And I love a lot of the flicks that he's in. But he's the kind of guy that it's almost too believable with his character in films. It's like, I don't know how much of this is actually acting. I think this might be how you actually kind of are. Um, one that pops into my head quickly would be like a Charlie Sheen. Many of his roles, I don't think he's really acting. I think that is just kind of him. That's the only one that pops into my head immediately. But um, found that out on March 5th. Also found out that the Mox had advanced to the Southern Conference Final, defeating Wofford 79-56, meaning the, the semifinal was going to be played that night, March 5th. So I called my brother. We got two hours of time to use the phones to literally just you know, wall uh, landlines. And uh, I called my brother to get kind of a play-by-play -play at the end of the game to see if they would win to go to the final. And indeed, the Mocs did win. They beat Wofford 79-56 to secure an improbable run to the Southern Conference Championship that would be played Monday night. I've got a whole segment 
from the uh, stories maybe I shouldn't tell, a whole chapter called Basketball Diaries. That is chapter seven. So I'll get back to that story in about a month and a half. So you got to really be sticking around here for a while to come back to that one. That Call that a month and a half tease. March 12th, there was a huge front page spread that ended up being four and a half full pages of newspaper read about, I don't remember what the headline was, about the mayors. The city mayor, Tim Kelly, asshole Hamilton County mayor, Weston Womp, and overall a timeline of their uh, trajectories to their offices and also the redevelopment plan on the south side that will end up having the new Lookout Stadium. It was long, winded as hell, four full pages plus above the fold on the front page, and there was not one single piece of new information in that entire spread. I was a little disappointed. There was nothing that I read there that I didn't already know. Now, to the person who doesn't follow a story like that very closely, maybe there was some very useful information in there. But for me, absolutely nothing uh, new. And uh, it's just a reminder how much there is dislike about West and Womp. That was, that was all I got out of that was just a, a, a confirmation of how much I dislike the guy. Uh, vacation rental rules in the works as far as Occupant uh, rentals, non-occupant rentals, uh, occupant rentals. I wanted to know more about it. This thing was too damn long. They call it, uh, they they shorten it to TLDR. Get to the damn point. Too long, didn't read. And hotel revenues in Chattanooga are uh, on on the uptick, uptick, excuse me, with a ton of new developments that I read about. And I just wrote down quickly the revenues in uh, from hotels here from 19 to present. $251.5 million in 19, plummets down to 169, which is actually not that far down considering how messed up we were and uh, and our overreaction to the flu was in 2020 and 2021, back up to 267 and just shy of 300 million in 2022. And they are building all over the city, downtown, Shalford Road area, new ho- uh, uh, hotels everywhere. And then the final Sunday paper. That I had at my disposal for my hiatus, my sabbatical, was Sunday, March 19th, where it started really the probably week-long um, look-back retrospect of the invasion in Iraq. One of the headlines was, Invasion Left Iraq Freer, But Not Hopeful. Uh, 20 years on, a question lingers, Why Did the U.S. Invade Iraq? was another headline from that day. And the final one here was the Flatiron Revamp, the uh, historic building downtown at 707 Georgia Avenue. Uh, it's patterned after the Flatiron Building in New York City. will hold 15 residential condos on the top three stories. Flatiron housed apartments were constructed in 1911 by Samuel Reed, who later was the namesake of the Reed House Hotel. And I always, you know, I see these new living areas downtown. I still have all these just uh, fantasies and dreams of some point ever living downtown. And I just think, oh, what the hell? Let's see what the what the what something like this will cost. It ranges between four hundred and seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars for one or two bedroom units. Three hundred ninety nine thousand to seven hundred forty nine thousand. 
The one bedrooms are 730 square feet, and the two bedroom is 1543, so basically double that. 730 square feet is about the size of my room, my kitchen, and uh, maybe a little bit left over. Jesus. There ain't going to be any downtown living for me. So overall, what does all that say? Uh, Slow news days on all those Sundays, first of all. It did appear that there was slow news days all the way around, but not being able to have your cell phone while you are also detoxing off of a powerful drug, liquid for my case, liquid dope as they call it, was a really, really struggle of a place to be because you're being removed from two terrible addictions. And you know, you often hear and even might, might think it yourself when you hear people who say, oh, I didn't have my phone for a amount of time or when we went to go do this, you, you know, your phones weren't allowed. And and often you'll hear or you'll think, well, I bet that's pretty nice. I mean, I'm nice to kind of remove myself from that environment, you know, just for a little bit. Uh, let me tell you right now, it's not nice. It's not nice. It's not OK. It's not a good place to be. Not being able to check the weather, not knowing the headlines, not knowing who's trying to get a hold of you. We are connected to these devices, and it's not a bad thing to be addicted to these because they make our lives so much better in so many ways. And obviously, there's a lot of detrimental things that could come from it, too. The drug dealers trying to get a hold of you, your friends trying to, you know, they don't they don't want you interacting with people on the outside which makes perfect sense for the overall treatment and recovery. But the idea that, oh, hey, it's been so nice being disconnected from the outside world is a load of bleep. It was awful. I never knew what the forecast was going to be. If I did happen to catch a seven-day at some point, then trying to remember, go backwards, and I think, hold on, what day was it? It might going to be raining. And, um, and just having to hope that someone caught on CNN in the morning, one of the old codgers that was up at five in the morning watching some of the news, you know, to find out, did Jimmy Carter die today? Oh, oh, Gary Rosenton died today. Some other guy who was in a, um, some movie I'd never heard of passed away while we were in there. And so trying to, to, to function on a daily basis without a cell phone, no connectivity whatsoever, except for, barely two hours on the weekend and all the while also trying to live with weird eclectic people who are dealing with their own issues in their own way lots of different personalities there was lots of drama at times there was lots of there was two people kicked out really three he kind of left on his own but he was on his way to getting kicked out in the final week that I was there Regularly, there was arguments in hallways, and I mean, it, it, it was like a high school hallway to a certain degree, and not being able to have my drink, and not being able to have my phone, and having to interact with people, I still in my aloof self off in the corner most of the time, but I did participate in most of all the meetings, and uh, made the most of, and got the best out of this overall treatment. But it was really, really hard until I thought all of a sudden it was great and figured out with the pink cloud stuff that I was talking about earlier. Um, but not having your phone for a long period of time is maddening. Maddening. So if I hear or think, oh, well, it must be kind of nice to be a little disconnected. No, no, no. 
no, and no. I hope I wasn't unclear about that as we head out of the second segment with Goose. And that was one good thing about having lots of free time is I, well, first of all, smoked way too many cigarettes. That will be also in another one of the chapters of stories maybe I shouldn't tell. Chapter 6, The Butt Hut. But also plenty of time to listen to new music and get familiar with a band that I knew I would like. I just needed to take the time to figure it out, and that is Goose, who will be at Riverbend in June. And it is really, 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 really good stuff. Think Mo Panic, Fish, Tea Leaf Green, if you happen to remember them, with the dead all but completely done and dead, and Widespread Panic and Fish up there in age, Goose looks to be taking the jam band uh, torch and taking it on into the next generations of jam music. Coming up next, the first chapter of Stories Maybe I Shouldn't Tell, Chapter 1, Travel Therapy. Hang tight, it's coming up. cease alcohol use on their own without medical intervention. We don't know why, although religious transformation seems to be one, and of course the 12 Steps capitalizes on that. I think that it's quite an intelligent program, psychologically speaking. You know, first of all, you have to make a moral inventory. You have to figure out what's wrong in your life, which would obviously include the alcohol misuse. You have to rectify that take responsibility for it try to try to chart out a new course you're also provided with a social structure which is really useful when you're trying to stop drinking because it's very probable that most of your friends are going to be drinkers and so that leaves not only do you stop drinking but you stop associating with your friends or maybe even with your family members so you know an aa doesn't seem to be an exploitative organization it's all volunteers speaking strictly clinically there it isn't obvious that there's a better alternative that was jordan peterson is a canadian psychologist author and media commentator describes himself as a classic british liberal and a traditionalist this is a now mind-blowingly incomparable billy strings and at first I didn't get it, but give me enough time to smoke cigarettes and listen to it, and I totally get it. I don't remember the names of any of the songs yet. It's from the album Home, I believe is the name of it, but I don't know the name of the song. Yeah, I went into rehab to kick alcohol, but I picked up pre-diabetes <laughs> and uh, emphysema more on that later on down the road so um, that's just one guy who I've seen a lot on my TikToks and uh, other social medias he 
does a lot of uh, social media uh, commentary and, and interviews, and he was talking about AA there specifically. And I had I had somewhat of an understanding of what AA and NA meetings were. And then we all know from watching, you know, film and, and television programming where you see, hi, uh, or, uh, hey, name's Brian, I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Brian! Like, that's not, that's not just for some part of a movie you've seen. That, that's how it goes. And you, even when you go to these over and over again and we do these in-house once a, not once a day, but probably four times a week, maybe even five times a week. It's pretty close to once a day. Whereas an in-house 12-step therapeutic, it's not called AA necessarily, but it's the same concept. And, and you know, you're sitting right next to people, you know their names, and but you still do that. You still do that every time. And it is kind of like, you know, you're looked at with the hairy eyeball, if you will, if you don't do it properly. Um, if you're doing much cross-talking at all, meaning any kind of conversation or, or response to what somebody might be saying, um, when you're in AA, you say you're an alcoholic, but when you're in NA, you say you're an addict. And if you get them wrong, from what I'm to understand, is that there's kind of some eye rolling and like, uh, what's going on with this idiot kind of thing over here. I didn't experience that necessarily, uh, but but that's what I was told on the front end. And we went to a total of probably 10 to 12 NA and AA meetings inside and out. So either we hosted two times a week at our facility. I'm just going to refer to it mine as ours. And then we would travel twice a week to another facility in town. And depending on how much time I have at the end of this segment here, after I read this first chapter, this first story of stories maybe I shouldn't tell, I'll explain the AA thing just a little bit more. But this was on... March 1st, again, all these that were written that I'll be reading in these chapters every week were written in real time, and if I've changed my thinking on any of it or have learned more since, I'll I'll point that out as I go along. But for now, I'll go ahead and read to you the first chapter called Travel Therapy. A couple times a week, a network of AANA counseling and treatment centers travel to each other's facilities for meetings. My treatment center hosts NA every Tuesday and AA every Thursday, and by far this facility is the most pristine of all the others in my 30-day experience. This is the start of my second week here, and I'm coming off detox and I'm feeling surprisingly pretty good. All off-site therapy or outings are encouraged to anybody who is not currently detoxing, and this was my first time being el- eligible to, particip- to participate excuse me, with anything off-site. You don't have to attend these off-site meetings, but if you don't, you're ineligible for the weekend quote-unquote group outing, which could be anything from a shitty movie, bowling, the park, or some other kind of marginally entertaining option. It's somewhat like doing time in prison in that you'll take the kitchen duty, quote-unquote, to get away from the mundane and the monotony of everyday captivity. Based on the little I know about this process currently, it seems that it would be in my best interest to keep my options open and to be a team player. And so we're off to an undisclosed location, and in parentheses, but they never tell you where you're going until moments before you get there. We're headed to this undisclosed location for a meeting where I expected the worst and got what was at least as close to exactly that. 
So we load up in the big travel bus and keep it in mind that two-thirds or so of this caravan are not from or even familiar with Chattanooga proper. I asked one of the guys if they knew where we were headed. His response initially pleased me as he said East Ridge. So I thought, okay, cool, not too far away. I was thinking maybe the location would be the American Legion or Spring Creek Church or maybe even Camp Jordan. As we pass Moore Road and approach the Germantown Road exit in the far left lane on I-24, I quickly realized we are not going to East Ridge. I mentioned this out loud, and another guy says, maybe it was East 23rd Street or something like that, maybe. Astonished, I assuredly said, guys, the last place anybody goes at 8 p.m. on any night is East 23rd, let alone a literal caravan of drug addicts. Well, I'll be damned as we approach the bottom of the I-24 Ridge Cut if we didn't exit on 4th Avenue, East 23rd Street, here we are. We take a right onto Willow Street that takes us to Main Street. Keep in mind, I'm not talking about Main Times 24 Main Street. I'm talking about a block or so from Orchard Knob, quote, unquote, you don't want to be at Main Street. There ends up being two additional vans full of attics from other facilities to all pile into this maybe 750-square-foot portion of this all-brick 1950-ish era community center of sorts called the Suburban Club. Between the fire code breaking, dimly lit, toddlers wandering, crying babies, and police and emergency vehicles sirens flying down Main Street, this place legit looked like it felt like we were in a Quentin Tarantino movie. I'm not exaggerating. This was a very uncomfortable, uncomfortable and unsettling atmosphere. To respect the anonymous part of AA and NA organizations, I'll leave this story with this. What appeared to be the leader of this particular organization ended, up, ended the meeting with, and this is paraphrased, we end, these, we end these meetings reciting the Lord's Prayer. And if you don't want to, that's fine. Just shut the fuck up while we do it. <laughs> I said paraphrase, but that was almost exactly it. These elegant, these elegant words from a guy wearing a Kid Rock shirt, flipping a bird, and some kind of fuck your feelings, something or other message on the back. Next time, I think I'll skip kitchen duty that is chapter one travel therapy so for the final uh eight nine ten minutes or so of the show here i'll just i will talk about the aa and na and my feelings and thoughts on that and they really have not changed all that much they say that they're not faith-based but they really are you don't have to you can you don't have to acknowledge who your god is um the god of my understanding is often uh, a term you'll hear in there. Uh, higher power, certainly. Um, good orderly direction was just, that's an acronym for God. Good orderly d- direction was one of the only things I heard that I actually thought, huh, well, I guess I can go with that. But it is very, very much turning over yourself to a um, to something else, to something that's not you, which I have trouble 
just as an overall ideological theoretical kind of thing. I you know now AA and NA are very similar in the way that they're structured. A lot of the verbiage and the wording is all the same. Uh just a little bit different as NA is drugs and alcohol and AA is just alcohol, which I, I'm turned off completely by NA. I don't see anybody there that I identify with. Nobody that I look at that looks like me, that I feel like I can talk to. Um, a pretty rough crowd at both AA and NA meetings. And I don't mean to be so judgmental um, by physical appearance and by what people do or don't wear or the way that they fashion themselves. I, you know, they make me look like a buttoned up, cleaned up preppy type. A lot of these uh, places that we would go. And that just so happened to be the worst of them all. The very first one I went. I, I had, I said I was not going to anymore after that. But as you work through the process and the program, you realize it's in your best interest to be uh, involved in everything that is going on. But these meetings, I'll just, I'll just tell you, they're, they're cult-like. Very, very, very cult-like. And they all start with all the readings, all the same readings, the 12 steps, the 12 traditions, the uh, just for today, the thought of the day, the whatever. I can't even remember what they're... I've heard it so many times you think I'd know it uh, almost by heart. But it's just the same drivel over and over and over again, and it's very long-winded, and they do it at the start of every single meeting. And often it's in a room where you can't even barely hear somebody who's reading it or if they can't say words like anonymity without spelling it out phonetically, they just fumble all along through it anyway. That seems weird. That's one. That's A. That's one. Two, cigarette smoking, chimneys of cigarette smoking types and just swilling coffee and caffeine, but primarily coffee at all hours of the day, 7, 8, 9 o'clock at night. Just still looks odd. I mean, I know you guys aren't dying of any drugs, but you're going to have emphysema and you're going to, you know, you're going to have a heart attack over there with the amount of coffee and cigarettes you guys are sucking down every meeting. And then all the middle parts that are all the stuff like I mentioned before. Hey, I'm Brian. You know, I'm an alcoholic. Well, today I'm feeling like that, you know, and, and I, I got involved in, in especially the in-house ones. I got involved every time. But a few of the ones that we did on site or off site, I, I spoke up occasionally depending sometimes you know I, I was feeling it you know sometimes I would, somebody would bring up something that would you know you, you walk into these meetings and you have no intention on saying anything like many times every time I'm like there's not a chance I'm gonna say anything today but then somebody says something that kind of uh you know reaches at you a little bit hits you somewhere especially when you're when you're in this in-between portion of your life where you're questioning everything and your anxiety is constantly high we have to fill out these forms every day that talks about our overall health for the day and, you know, everything about our, our day and how we're feeling and r rankings of depression and anxiety. And I put zero on depression every day on the sheet and I put five on anxiety because it was always anywhere between two and seven. And so I just put it at a five. So many times somebody will say something that makes you go, hmm. Right. And then it's nice to get something off your chest because the way that it's set up, it is there's no no one's going to cross talk with you or or try to tell you or reason with you or uh, you're just there to say whatever you want. And then that's it. And you move along that part. OK, 
that's fine. I can find some therapeutic nature to that. Well, then at the end of every one of these meetings, there is this big huddle up, uh, circle up, no matter if you're in a Quentin Tarantino movie looking like you're in the basement of Pulp Fiction or if you're in a big you know, a, a community center area of a, of a church off of Brainerd Road, which is one of the ones in other areas in town that we went to, you huddle all the way around, and it's, it's in AA, it's you hold hands, and somebody leads the, the serenity prayer, and then in NA, it's you just put your hands around, like, you know, over each other's shoulders, kind of like, you know, like a football team huddling up. I don't know why there's a difference, but there is. And then read the God. Uh, I don't even, I can't do it uh, exactly. I can get close. God, grant me the serenity to know the difference between what I can and can't change or change the things that I can and the diff- and the wisdom to know the difference between the two just for today. I just totally butchered it, but I never recited it anyway because I don't pray to God. And I'm not going to do it in a big circle of people holding hands and kubaya and all this nonsense. So it's very difficult for me to get on board with that. Do we really have to huddle up and touch each other afterwards and chant like 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 mental patients? So there's that. Then there is when I approach people who are selling this message. And when I and I, I said that wrong, not approach. And a lot of these will also be in other chapters that I'll be telling each week here on the Stone on Air podcast. But every time I question any portion of it, especially the the, the spiritual nature, I tend to get the same answers every time from different people, almost as if it's rehearsed. They talk about when you get out of treatment, you should immediately go to ninety meetings. In 90 days. Not nine meetings in nine days. 90. And one of these AA in-houses at our facility, which were the best ones because we're the nicest place and the most the best-looking group of people, meaning just not a bunch of riffraff, um, I brought that up when it was... It was being whatever with the exact subject. It doesn't matter. You can change a subject in these in these settings. It's you, there generally is no subject matter. It's just whatever you feed off of the other people around you. And I and I spent a good three four minutes on guys. I am close to done with the treatment here. At that point, I was probably still you know maybe only two and a half weeks in or so. And I just I'm having trouble buying in. Like I I want to. I am dedicated to this idea. It's from a wellness standpoint for me more than it is anything else. But I am dedicated, but 90 days, 90 meetings? I mean, seriously? And I said something to the effect of, I'm not doing 90 of anything in the next 90 days. So does that mean I'm disqualified? Um, I asked uh, somebody else who was leading an AA in a book discussion. I asked something along the lines of maybe, maybe I'm completely getting the message wrong, knowing that I am leaving for a wide open space of error on my part and misinterpretation and making sure it's clear that my preconceived notions may be clouding my thoughts 
but it feels like the message of your group is if you do not follow our 12 steps, get sponsors and become one of us, one of us. If you do not do this, you will not succeed in your recovery. I brought that up to more than one person in different settings, and I got regurgitated virtually the exact same thing back both times, or two or three times, however many. It was more than two, more than two or at least two. So that first one was a real big turnoff, and it was as uncomfortable and as uh, as odd of a, of a setting as I've ever been in. Everything after that was much better. I went to NA, an NA meeting at my facility on Tuesday, and by the time you're hearing this, I will be 32 days uh, dry, and I'll be getting my 30-day chip from the AA meeting on Thursday night at my facility, the in-house one, where many of the people who are still in treatment I know. So it, I, I look forward to going back and saying hello to the staff and seeing some of the patients that are still there and getting my official 30-day chip. And my goal is to go an additional 30 days all on my own here without any help, maybe a few meetings here and there, and then reevaluate at that time. I'm not here to tell anybody that I'm never having another drink again for the rest of my life. Never said that from the beginning. From the jump, I made that clear. But my health has increased so much in just six weeks or five, five weeks it is now. There's so much noticeable difference. I'm results driven and I'm seeing results. Now I'm sitting here, haven't even mentioned it. It's the first time I've ever done a podcast without drinking while I did it. Hopefully it, hopefully it holds up. But it's a long way to go, but I will be getting my 30-day chip on 3-23-23. It is palindrome day, and that is all I have for you. Next week, chapter two of stories maybe I shouldn't tell, the yoga sessions. That and plenty more commentary on the passing parade that is our lives. My name is Brian Stone, and this is the Stone On Air podcast. Talk to you next week. Stay home.